children are a heritage from 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 the Lord children are a heritage from the Lord Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Abolish Abortion Missouri podcast. We believe children are a heritage from the Lord, and we are working toward the complete and total abolition of abortion in Missouri. I'm your host, Brandon. This is episode four. And once again, today, we're addressing foundations. Last week, we tried to walk through the basics of an abolitionist position against abortion. And today we're continuing to talk about those types of things. And, and, and next week as well, Lord willing, we, what we want to begin doing now is walking through many of the objections that come up when the abolition of abortion is put forward, uh, as we said, as the only biblical response to the murder of preborn babies. And because we live in such a, a frustratingly unprincipled and, and unbiblical society, even many Christians who, who choose pragmatism and their own reasoning over what the Bible says for how the government should function, that's going to probably have to be its own episode at some point, but what the Bible says for how government should function, because that's the society and the cultural milieu that we live in, the objections to our position, uh, it, it might not seem like this would be the case, but the objections to abolishing abortion come from all sides. They, they come from the, the pro-abortion side and they come from the, the pro-life side. Mm. And it really frustrates us. So what we want to do today then is lay out some succinct answers to many of those questions that come up. Uh, and there's really two kind of angles that the objections come from. They come from what we might call the pr- perspective of, of the personal uh, where, where, you know, women will ask questions like, well, well, what about in cases of rape or incest or the life of the mother? But they also come uh, from the perspective of, of like the legislative side of things and our lawmakers at, saying, you know, we can't make an abolition law. It'll just get struck down in the courts and many other objections like that. And, and so what we want to do today is deal with that first kind of umbrella set of objections. And then Lord willing, next week we'll come back and and deal with the second. But again, I just say all of these come from pro-abortion and pro-life people alike. And we say we're not either. We're not either of those. We're abolitionists. So I've got with me again, Kevin Myers uh, here with us. Uh, Kevin, again, man, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's a pleasure. It's good to have you back. And I really enjoyed recording last episode with you. And then I've also, I've got uh, Joshua Jenkins with us and, and he's not been on this particular podcast yet, but I'm sure that many of our listeners know who he is, but he's also a member of the executive board for Abolish Abortion Missouri. Joshua, just real fast before we even jump into things, uh, to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. Yeah, so my name is Joshua Jenkins, as you said, and I uh, live in Springfield, Missouri. Got two little boys and a wonderful wife, and I'm one of the pastors with at Hope Baptist Church, and I love my church, and it's basically my life, um, of course, ordered rightly. And um, as far as abolition things, I grew up just always pro-life, but thinking 
the logical conclusion of pro-life is no abortions whatsoever. So it was probably, I became an abolitionist, I don't know the exact year, maybe 2018 or so, when I watched the documentary, Babies Are Murdered Here. That was the first time I'd ever been confronted with the distinctions of pro-life versus the abolition position. And it just made sense biblically and um, grew in that more and more since then. So that's kind of how, who I am and how I got to be a part of this belief position movement. Yeah, we're really, uh, Joshua and I, like you mentioned, we, we get to serve together at the same church. So we're really blessed, not only that we get to serve together there, but that we have the blessing and privilege of being able to agree as much as we do on this fight as well, because Amen. I, I know a lot, of, I know a lot of pastors who might have members in their church who are abolitionists, but the, the pastors themselves are not. And I just can't imagine how difficult it would be to try to serve alongside somebody in this fight and not, um, be aligned on such an issue. So it's a big blessing. It's a big blessing. Indeed. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and, and try to dive in here. Um, I want, I want to, we're going to start today again with the, the seemingly more personal side of uh, these uh, objections and they're, they're objections that we hear all the time, day in and day out uh, when we're talking to people about abortion and abolition. But, you know, the questions that are, are regarding almost always they're centered around the mom of the child that's being aborted, not always being killed, being murdered, not always specifically right there, but that kind of tends to be the focus. Um, and, and of course, that's the focus even sometimes in the legislative side. You know, we're, we're men, so we shouldn't have any say over a woman's body and things like that. <clears throat> but. Our position, just to maybe reiterate uh, before we, we dive into these um, questions or objections, our position is, again, that the only just and only biblically justified law is one in which the murder of preborn children is treated like all other murder, right? We're just working toward the equal protection uh, of babies from the moment of conception, or I've, I'm, I'm learning that, that the pro-abortion community is trying to change the definition of conception. And so um, what we mean is fertilization, from the moment of fertilization. And that means that all those involved in the murder of children would be subject to the same laws that cover those who are involved or govern those who are involved in any other murder. And furthermore, then that means that any laws that, that don't operate within that framework are unjust laws when it comes to trying to regulate and, and legislate laws about abortion. And so those basic ideas, um, although they are, are pretty basic, they lead to lots of objections. So let's walk through them. I've got, I think, what did I say? Four, four or five questions that I wanted us to try to tackle today. So first question, guys, and then I'm going to shut up and let you guys talk. So first question, why do you hate women so much? <laughs> right? That's, that's how it gets asked. That's how it always comes up. And, and, and we, uh, we find that we encounter a lot of resistance. Uh, and, and there's a lot of, I mean, Kevin, you were just sharing right before we started, people get so uh, bent out of shape about this issue. But one of the big ones is 
we hate women because we want to take away their rights to their own bodily autonomy. And they might even throw that back in our face because as Christians, we stand for, we believe in bodily autonomy, you know, from a creature to creature perspective, we believe in the right to life and liberty and property. So one big objection that comes up is why are we so concerned with making laws that tell a woman what she quote can or can't do with her own body? And uh, that's kind of how the, the objection usually gets framed when we're talking to people. So how, how do you answer that? You want to go first, Josh? Sure. Yeah. So I, the, the real basic and quick answer is that, you know, the body and life of the baby is quite simply not the woman's body. And you don't have the right to take someone else's life that is innocent life and you're not uh, justly defending yourself or a magistrate who's been given the sword for a just cause. So it's not their body, um, the body that's inside of them. But you know, that's a real simple, easy answer. But, you know, I think one of the other angles I would take on that as well is just to say that the right to bodily autonomy is not a, a, a ultimate uh, right to autonomy it's not ultimate bodily autonomy, meaning there are limits to our rights. We are not autonomous bodily uh, apart from God and his standards of righteousness. And so there are limits and qualifications. It's not an ultimate right. So there are certain things that men and women, women and men cannot do with their bodies. Uh, you know, it would not be civilly appropriate to just walk down the public's uh, downtown square completely unclothed. Um, you can't say, well, it's my body. I can do it. I won't with it. There are limitations to that, even civilly. So I would just say it's not a ultimate right that has no boundaries. And so the question then just comes down to, well, then since ultimate bodily autonomy, that's not my standard for what's right and wrong. My standard is what, it, what, what God's word is. And the limitations on bodily autonomy have to be found uh, from our source of, of our, our standard, which would be God's word. Amen. Amen. The, I, I would you know, point out, well, first of all, we, don't, we do not hate women any more than someone who is, you know, pleading or hiding uh let's say jews who are being um, murdered targeted in a holocaust are showing hatred to germans mm. um who are not jews but uh so it was so standing against an injustice doesn't mean that you are against a certain group of people it is that you are seeking to protect people it is not the women who are being murdered under color of law it is not the women who themselves are being dragged into buildings in order to be slain. It is the children in the womb. And someone might say, well, I have bodily autonomy. However, how can anyone have the right to their own body if everyone doesn't? So if we look at, at that, just of that, that claimed right, it doesn't make any sense to claim the, that the right to bodily autonomy means that I can violate the bodily autonomy of another human being. Absolutely. 
And so, I mean, our, our laws show the nonsense of that. For instance, there are laws prohibiting drunk driving. Well, wait a second, I should do what I want with my body. No, no, you realize that the autonomous use of your body ends when you violate the bodily rights of another. And so there are, there are, so we have to understand if what you're doing is actually intentionally taking the life of another human being, you don't, that's, that's not bodily autonomy anymore. That's attacking someone else's body. And so they, so they should, these children should not be violated. The very people who would say, oh, well, I should have the right to bodily autonomy. They, they would be against almost assuredly, it would be against someone saying, well, hey, I can do what I want with my body. And if I want to rape someone, it's my body. No, you should not be able to allow, you should not be allowed to stop me from that or prosecute me for it. But they are actually taking advantage of someone else's body and are breaking God's laws and not loving their neighbors as themselves. So the thing is that it is, the fact is abortion or opposing abortion is not hatred toward any necessary people group. It is a love for those who are the most vulnerable, who are the true victims. But abortion itself is an act that shows antipathy toward a whole people group, mm. that it is showing hatred toward those that are inconvenient those that you can get rid of and destroy because abortion is a human sacrifice to the God of self. And so what we find is that the hatred is on the side of those who are willing to walk the way they want to by treading on the bodies of their own babies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, <clears throat> it's actually our belief in a, uh, a, a, a limited or a governed or a, a standardized bodily autonomy that moves us to care so much and care so deeply about this issue is that we see, uh, 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 like you mentioned, Joshua, we see a, a, a biblically governed bodily, you know, right to bodily autonomy, but we see it being completely cast aside and disregarded and, and, and violated, uh, like you said, Kevin, in an entire people group an entire people group that being the preborn, and uh yeah so uh you know we get to kind of throw it back in their face and say uh, we're actually for bodily autonomy yeah i want to uh add, add another angle on this as well as we're talking about the you know, you bring up you know oh you hate women and that whole accusation and kevin answered that well but i want to add another angle to it and that is that in being against abortion, the, the, the murder of children in the womb, um, I am actually, we are actually upholding true womanhood. And those who are for abortions are destroying what it means to be a woman. That's right. Um, because part of the, you know, one of the objections you'll hear is, well, this baby has invaded my body and now it's taking its life source from me. And so therefore it's violating my body and I have a right then to dispose of it. But that is a rebellion against the created order and how God created men and women. And yes, that baby is upon the mother for sustenance and life in the womb. 
but that is not a violation of the woman's rights because that is what God created a woman to do. That is her purpose. One of her main, main uh, creational purposes was to give life to children in the womb and, and nurture and bear children as God grants them. And so it, it is, that's why we say the standard has to be uh, what has God created the world to be and what has God uh, created women to be, not what do I want a woman to be? You know, what do I think I should have a right to as a woman? But God created woman to bear children and therefore to be for destroying a, of babies is to destroy the purpose that God made women for. Now, we'll get to this later, I'm sure, but that doesn't mean men have an unlimited autonomy either. They can just go and impregnate women because that's what they're made for. Um, we'll get to that later, but obviously that's not at all the case. But no matter how a baby gets in there, even if it gets in there because a crime was committed against a woman or she was forced by a man to lay with him, that was obviously criminal, but that doesn't all of a sudden give her the right to destroy what it means to be a woman by taking the life of the child inside of her. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. You know, and, and uh, that touches on issues that I definitely, you know, want to explore and unpack more in the future regarding you know, kind of an abolitionist theory of, of uh, rights and government and freedom and things like that. But, but freedom is not um, uh, this idea of unlimited uh, autonomy. This, you know, it is really the, 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 the old definitions of freedom would have included something about living uh, in, in um, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to say, living in light of and, and in a proper perspective, keeping it in proper perspective, what your purpose is. Uh, and that's really what freedom was about, was, was living uh, as you are created was the word to live uh, and and oh certainly any other definition of freedom actually ends up almost necessarily creating these situations where um the cognitive dissonance that says you know you can't violate my rights but i can violate somebody else's uh, and rights become meaningless we have to have some type of standard and some type of purpose for which these ideas of autonomy and freedom uh, connect to or are grounded by and founded by. But Joshua, you, you definitely just slid us right into that next question because the next big one that comes up is, you know, we're talk we talk about it's so much of the time it's this women's rights issue. And they're saying I should have the right, especially in a case where I have been harmed or hurt or raped or something like that. I should have the right to then, to then violate the rights of my baby. And so the way the objection oftentimes gets um, formulated is that we are uncaring or unconcerned for, for women who find themselves uh, a product of some crime committed against them. And, and rape is, is the, the biggest one and, and that gets brought up. But we, 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 we are uncaring toward women because we would force them. You know, that's the word, that's the word and the language that they'll use that we would force them to have to carry this baby or deliver this baby uh, that was conceived in rape or incest. So what would we say both again, kind of about abolition and these, these cases of rape or incest, but then also um, uh, why we don't, we don't 
think that that we're being uncaring. You know, we're not willing to abide by that accusation. All right. Well, when someone brings up the the exception of rape, the well, what about if someone is raped, and uh, and they they often will think, hey, this will this will quiet will silence the the person. And and I know um, I know pro-lifers who who will say, well, I'm just not going to go against that. I'll just I'll just try to um, find common ground with them and just let's just do do um, up to a certain point. And, and, and there are a lot of pro-lifers who actually have been trained to actually go with the rape exception. I've talked with legislators who are pro-life, 100% pro-life, but they say, well, we should allow a, a pro-life, an exception for rape in, in, in the laws. And there have been, there's been such a precedent to do that, that there have been people who've been convinced that that is actually a, a good position. But as, as abolitionists, we, we don't go by what the, the platitudes and the policies of, of, a, of a crowd of people who intending to do, to get good done, are willing to, to go along with some evil. We, are, we have the standard of what is true. What does God declare? And so when someone asks, well, what about in the case of rape? I will often will say, can you tell me what is wrong with rape? And many times they'll say, well, what do you mean what's wrong with rape? Don't you know? And I say, oh, yes, I certainly, uh, I, in my worldview, according to the, the Christian worldview in the Bible, I know why rape is wrong. But can you explain to me why it is wrong to you to, to rape? And they'll usually say, well, it's because it's an attack on a, on a weaker person. It's, it's, it takes advantage of someone. It's a violent aggression act upon, upon a woman. And, and so, they, so I say, so you're saying that rape is wrong because it's a violent attack upon a weaker party, takes advantage of them, forcing them into a, a use of their body that they don't give permission. And they said, yes. And then, I, then I'll usually say, well, that is why I am against abortion, because rape and abortion are both wrong for the same reason. Mm -hmm. So it is not going to help the mom to do to someone else what was done to her. If she was attacked, then she is the she is a victim in that area. If she turns and does that to her child when she is, has this 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 terrible thing happened to her, if she turns and then murders her child, then that turns her from just being a victim to becoming a villain in that situation. She, she victimizes someone else to the point of death. And so, so that is not, that is not righteous. It is not the right response and it will not solve the problem. It won't stop her from being raped, yeah. from having been raped. It it actually will traumatize more, and it it will cause her to have guilt in what she did. I know women who have been raped and who have let the the child have have loved that child, maybe given the child for adoption or raised the child themselves, and those who have done that have told me that that actually was something that God used to, to work good in their lives, to help them to heal. That, that um, 
the end that you know, I remember talking with with uh, with one with one man who stopped and he said, well, what about in the case of rape? So I walked him through that. And so now, first of all, someone who rapes the guilty party should be found and prosecuted and punished to the fullest end of the law. They should have that punishment that is deserving of what they have done. Absolutely. And that we should definitely punish that, that party. And but I also, but I find that the trouble is that the people who are actually against um, against abortion and are using rape as an exception are themselves often negligent, no, hesitant to say we should execute the rapist mm. or you know bring them to punishment that is that is a that is a standard of what they have done, but they are all for capital punishment for the child who did yeah. not do anything and i asked would you, if if you robbed the bank should they throw your child in jail and they all said no i said well this is what we are seeing with abortion saying the father did a crime we will punish the child for the crime of the father and yeah. that is that is totally against what God has laid out in his word. Absolutely. Yeah, I would just that's all all really spot on. And I would just add one angle to that as well, is that in our society in which we live, which so many of our laws are not biblically just. Um, but because of that, aborting a child because it was conceived in rape actually lets off the rapist in our society because justice is not given to the rapist. The the sentences so often are very, very light. Like I've seen uh, rape sentences be like six months and some are longer, but some they just get out and, and the baby's killed and they just get off scot-free and, and have no obligation then even to take care of financially the child and mother, whatever and so actually aborting the baby does not help the mother. It just uh, lets off the rapist and really helps create an environment, a society where it's just more acceptable and easy to do that, commit those crimes. Yes. I, I know of a case in which the, the rapist, it was also incest, was, was abusing a child. And when she got pregnant, he was able to take get the abortion pill, make her take it, and then continue to abuse her and rape her. And so that it allowed him to hide what he had done and continue mm. to do this to her for years. So how can we say that 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 is going to be loving to that person? If you have the righteous law that actually does justice, it would lead to the protection of those girls. Yeah. It would lead to the prosecution of people who are taking advantage of them. And we have to understand, like Josh said earlier, that no matter what the circumstances of a conception, the little child who is, is fertilized is the heritage of the Lord. They are precious and they are people. Yes. And, and a child conceived is the only good thing that can come directly from a rape. And so to destroy the child is, is, to, is to perpetuate 
and evil. Now it puts innocent blood on the hands of more people in the situation, and it removes the only good thing that could come out of it. Yeah, and, and I just I think that uh, you know you guys are doing a really good job of showing one, uh, just reinforcing that this is this is the only biblical position. It's the only just position. And you guys have talked so much rightly about justice and where we should locate the administration of justice, not on the innocent child. And that all of that in and of itself is caring and loving to women, to the one who is pregnant to, to, yes. to, to, to say, no, don't kill your baby. Don't commit, don't, don't heap evil upon evil. That's loving. I would even go further. And this is, this is to the side of uh, the abolition, you know, the specific abolition issue, but because um, the church is uh, make up the primary group of abolitionists, you know, we know that there are so many avenues for a woman who has, has had a, a tragic situation like um, having a baby conceived in rape to be able to be cared for, helped, yes. ha- you know, have the baby adopted if they want to go down that route. And uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to bunny trail on this too much. You know, I'd like to maybe do an episode in the future about kind of the way that the pro-abortion community will spin our own rhetoric back at us and, and say, well, we, we care for women. And they'll say, well, then why do you only talk about birth? Uh, you know, and, and obviously, you know, Joshua, you actually hinted at that just because we believe you shouldn't be allowed to murder your baby doesn't mean that we have to also have, have a position that says that we will be the ones to care for every baby that gets conceived that nobody wanted, because sometimes it ought to be the guy who, who did such an evil, atrocious thing that has to, in some way, finance the, the care of that child. So that's a whole nother thing. But um, what we find is that even if we would want to keep them separate so often, it's the church getting in and caring for, adopting, uh, financing the care of uh, these babies. So not only do we care for them with, with these principles of justice we're talking about, but so often uh, we truly are being caring for them. You know, I've, how many times have, have um, moms walking into Planned Parenthood to kill their baby heard somebody outside saying, we will mm-hmm. adopt your baby. We will adopt your baby. We will take care of your baby. You don't have to kill it. And, um, and still they do so often. Yes, so <clears throat> along, along these lines, the other, the other kind of huge um, objection that comes up when we talk about exceptions is one that uh, as best I can understand the trigger law in Missouri still has, and it is, an exception for when the the life of the mother is in danger. So how do we handle, how do we handle that objection? It's, it's, that's one where, you know, you know, you, you imagine that you, it's in all the, it's in all the old, you know, good guy versus bad guy movies. The bad guy holds up two people and says, you can only save one or whatever. And, and, drops them both and they have to choose one or something like that. And it's painted in that light sometimes, but what, what do we do or what do we say? How, how could we be so callous as to say that uh, a mom who's going to die if she has her baby um, can't, can't, you know, kill her child. You know, how do we, how do we get off saying that? 
All right. Um, let's let's think of it this way. If you have a if you have a mother and she has a little three year old in the in the shopping cart and she's pushing the baby through this her child through a grocery store, suddenly shots ring out and someone um, walks um, past. He's shooting people down. And he comes into her aisle. It's a guy with bloody hands and he has a gun and he's pointing the gun at her. So to save her life, she grabs up her three-year-old and holds the child in front of her as a shield. And the baby, the child, the toddler takes the, takes the bullets and dies and she survives. Would we say that she did what was the, the the best thing to do would we say she made a difficult situation and but she was brave and, and <laughs> nobody has any right to to say that wasn't the good decision or that she didn't do right i don't believe so i believe that the people who read about it on the on the headlines would be outraged would be grief stricken that someone would use their child as a shield instead of shielding their child mm. that god designed parents to step in the gap and to even be willing to lay down their lives to protect a child now if if we would say well that would not be a good thing because she's a mother that she she should be seeking to to keep her child safe if we would say that that would not be a, a, a good response to that, how could we say that you, we could that that having your child killed for for any reason for your convenience would be a, a righteous thing? But I will say that that the that abortion in general is not that picture. Abortion is not uh, is not that situation. Abortion is more like a woman in a, in a, at a supermarket with her three year old who hears shots, sees a guy come up with bloody hands and a gun, and she walks up to him, gives him money, and holds out her baby so he can shoot it. Mm. That is more like what abortion is. She is actually seeking out the killer. Now, just in general, to take a look at that from what we're actually saying, but we're going to see that we live in a cursed world. We live in a world where sin is and thus death is that now because of the fall, there is pain and, and, and um, sorrow in, in childbirth, in, in those things, because we live in a cursed world, complications can happen and, and death can occur. However, does that mean that because someone's life could be in danger, that on the possibility of that you should take the life of another person intentionally if i've had women come up to me and say my doctor says that i will die if i have this baby and i and i hear those words coming out of of the mouths of of women who have been who are saying this must be okay to do because of this and i wonder well who taught them that this is an acceptable excuse yeah could it be the laws that have been a schoolmaster to say, hey, in the case of a medical emergency, you can do this. And so I have to remind them that their doctor is not God. Their doctor does not know everything. 
the doctor will often say, well, to save my own back in, um, in liability, I'm going to say that this could end in this because then it takes away the responsibility from the physician to say, well, hey, you, maybe you should seek out that. And so it, it could cause somebody to say, oh, he says I'm going to die because, because he says it's a possibility. Death is a possibility whether or not you take any action. I mean, getting in the car can, can cause, can, can be something that could lead to death. Not getting in the car, it could end, you could die anyway. And so they don't, they don't have tomorrow promised to them. But does that mean that you should murder someone because you might die sometime in the future? And there have been actually testimonies from medical practitioners that this is not a viable argument. Uh, Dr. Anthony Levitino gives this, um, gives the answer that says there is never a time that you have to murder one person in uh, a child in the womb in order to save the mom. Those kind of cases are, are often the, the high, um, the high um, danger times are often at the end, toward the end of pregnancies where actually you could have do a, if there's someone actually in imminent danger of death to abort their child would be the wrong thing because they would be dead by the time you got dilation happening, by the time you did all those things, that mom would be dead if it was actually in that case. And so it's much, it's a much faster, and he has done it other for, for people to have a C-section and then the baby is out and then the mother can be stabilized and then and they're both alive. But what you do in a situation where, where a mom is in danger is you employ the practice of treating both of them like patients and try to rescue both of them. Absolutely. And if, if, if somebody dies, that is a tragedy. But at least it wasn't murder. Yeah, and uh, to the point of your illustration you gave a minute ago, Kevin, about the mother in the shopping center with the, that situation, most people hear that and they understand the point and understand that, that no, no one would do that. I mean, that's insane to lift up your baby like that, just in the first example you gave. Right. I think part of the problem is when it comes to children in the womb and medical situations, difficulties a mother might be in in a pregnancy is the reason that's even a question is because people have been so desensitized to not seeing that baby in the womb as a person, mm -hmm. as a fully, as a full person. And that's why this is even a question. If we believed and, it, and, it, and everyone believed and knew that it was a person, then that, you know, this won't even be a question, you know, do we, do we kill the baby, you know, because the mother's life is in danger. And, you know, you kind of hinted at it as well. But the other thing is that every single pregnancy, the healthiest pregnancy is risky. It is naturally a, a risky and dangerous thing because of the curse, as you said, and the difficulty in childbearing that is part of the reality of the world we live in. And that's part of what it means to live in this fallen world is to take risk and to, uh, you know, as Christians, if we have Christ, we can face dangers and risks on behalf of others who need us to for them without fear, with courage, because our, 
our life and, and eternity is secure in Christ. And so we can take risks for those we love. And that's the way that God kind of made the, the world to work as well is through little pictures of death and resurrection. And so we die to ourselves. We live unto Christ. We die and, and give up and sacrifice, figuratively speaking, for others, for their good. You know, death and resurrection is a picture of what Christ did for us. That's how the world works. And so it's a, actually a magnificent calling that women get to display that in childbirth in a way that men cannot. And that's a unique gift that they have the opportunity to display. That's amazing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, with, uh, with, with, you know, considering that we have, you know, an example uh, in the Bible of Rachel, um, the beloved wife of, of Jacob, and she died in, in childbirth. What if, what if they had had the option to say, oh, let's, let's, uh, let's kill the baby to, to save Rachel's life? Would that have been something that they would have um, felt was a was the was the right option? If they had killed that baby in order to spare Rachel, we'd never have had Benjamin. Benjamin, the, from whom came the tribe of Benjamin. And so, but because she she even in in her death, she gave she um, gave birth to a little boy who from him would come the second judge of, of Israel in the book of Judges. Ehud from them would come, you know, uh, Jonathan, who was a, a close friend of David, a courageous and, 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 and faithful um, man of God. We have from, from Benjamin, we find Mordecai and Esther. From Benjamin came the apostle Paul. All of those generations were, um, were brought from that line. And so oftentimes people will look and all they are seeing is themselves. They're not thinking of the generational impact, what God can do through his heritage, through the heritage of the Lord. And so um, we miss out when we don't trust him. And by the way, we know people who were told, if you do that, if you don't kill your baby, then you, then, then you will die. Then, and they, they trusted God and and there are cases in which they didn't die, and the doctor was completely wrong in, in his prognosis. And so we have to trust God and do what is right and treat moms and children as if they're human. Absolutely. And, and recognize it in our culture, even in this culture that in which we live that hates God and loves death, even in this culture, there is still um, there's still something about the image of God that that shows that people consider self-sacrifice to be a virtue in many ways and applaud brave men and women who put themselves in danger to rescue others from accidents, from violent attacks, from natural disasters and, and, and applaud and, and are grateful for those who risk their life and limb in the service of others. And so now while we expect selfless behavior uh, and 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 appreciate it when we see people helping strangers. How much how much less should we expect that from moms? You know, we should we should we should find that hey, they're willing to 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 risk a, a danger in order to 
to see their child to have life and trust God? Because we see, uh, so abortion is, is a stronger party making a weaker party, taking the hit for them. Saying, your life for me. I will, I will kill you so that I'll have what I, what I want, whether it is something that seems very trivial, like I don't want stretch marks, so I'll kill my child, or whether it's because I've been told I might die from this. And so whatever, whatever layer on the spectrum, they say, oh, for me, they'll die. Um, that, is, that is the opposite. We see the ultimate in sacrifice, in the, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who laid down his life for those who were without strength to save themselves, those who didn't deserve it, those who were just filthy in their rebellion, dead in their sins, and he came and laid down his life, the just for the unjust, to pay the price for sinners who couldn't save themselves, who didn't deserve it at all. And we see that and we say, what amazing grace. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you Kevin, you just went exactly where I was going to go as we kind of close out this this episode, which was to the gospel. You guys both brought up, you know, we, we talk about uh, abolitionism is gospel-centered. It's gospel-centered because um, a, a Christian has the necessary tools to be an abolitionist, even Amen. as a mother uh, facing the risk. We, you know, it, and, and so the, the greatest hope for a mother facing the risk of uh, that 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 an unborn child, a preborn child, might be might be placing on her, you know, because of a uh, some some life of the mother situation. What that mother needs most is not better doctors or or to murder. What that mother needs most is the assurance that to die is gain, and uh, and then she can feel free to not violate God's law and to trust Him and trust His providence in all things. And the gospel is also the answer to the anti-gospel that abortion is because abortion is like you said it is it is the exact opposite of of the gospel the gospel is the news that that someone who was uh very strong and 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 and, uh powerful came and laid down his life for the weak and uh and and said no i i will not exert my power over you but instead i will um serve you and suffer for you. And so the gospel is the good news uh, that's, that is the opposite of abortion. And it's even good news for those who have thought wrongly, acted wrongly, or even yes. had abortions, because it tells us that even though you uh, um, made it to where a weaker person would die for, for, for you, that, that mm-hmm. God will still nevertheless uh, allow apply the the sacrifice of Jesus to you who are so very weak and and not do the same to you and so there's right. great hope great hope for for women for 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 doctors um, so called uh, for for husbands and boyfriends and fathers who have have uh, done terrible things either to women or forced them to do terrible things to their children. Um, there's great hope for all of them. I want to talk more next week, Lord willing, when we come back to this issue of, of some of the ways that the laws that we believe um, 
should be on the books, you know, the, these abolitionist laws, how they affect the further objections that come both uh, to to women. You know, like we, di- we didn't really get to talk about today, but we'll try to come back to it next time. Uh, are, are we saying that uh, we're going to give the death penalty to every person who's ever had an abortion ever or something like that? And no, we're not. But we want to come back and unpack that. But uh, and, th- and then move on into some of the other objections like incrementalism and things like that as well. But for today, we probably should should close close up shop right here. So uh, Kevin and Joshua both men, thank you guys so much for being here. This was you guys said some just fire things. It was really good, really, really good stuff. And I, I pray that people listen. This has been the Abolish Abortion Missouri podcast where we believe children are a heritage from the Lord. And we are dedicated to the complete and total abolition of, of abortion in Missouri. We encourage you. We, we, we ask you, plead with you even to uh, share, share this podcast, subscribe to it yourself, share it with others, uh, spread the word. If you can go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review, that'd be amazing. But mostly, we just want to get the word out. We want to educate people. We want to create more principled Christian abolitionists. Uh, We need your help for the work and the fight. So uh, share this with others and uh, may it be a help to them. They might be educated. Thank you so much, so much for listening. Until next time. And as Kevin says, abortion must be abolished. Amen. Amen.